Was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome, Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, we're going to be talking about YouTube getting rid of a very important feature and how it will impact all of us. Uh, DJ Khaled has another one, but this time it has to deal with golfing. Is the creator economy like real? Like, are we really making money? Is views really counting to our bank accounts? We're going to really talk about that. And then should you do 50 50 deals or not? Moose, how are we feeling about this episode? I like this episode. It's like this, this is right up our alley. I'm talking about some branding and business stuff. It's going to be fun. Let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this episode is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that not only allows you to stream on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of the social media platforms all at once, but it also does an amazing job for pre-recorded videos to where you get video isolation, audio isolation, transitions, text, you name it, it has it. And we're giving 14 days for free on us if you go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash ecamm that's e-c-a-m-m and get that 14 day trial on us moose how we feeling man feeling pretty good feeling pretty good it's been a good week uh you know no black shirt today no no black i switched up on them i switched up on them i said you know what let me do white it's okay uh, Clean Still white tea. Yeah, no, yeah, no, just, no. It just, shows. It shows fresh. I yeah. do this. Like a like, little, a little more summer. Like I'm ready to. Okay. Yeah. You're in summer breathable. vibes. Breathable. It, we're I, still on the breathable. We're, we're still <laughs> on the breathable. <laughs> I gotta stay consistent. You are very adamant part. about this breathable. Oh man, I love, I love these materials. Yeah, breathable is is legit. But yeah, we here summertime. Mm-hmm. Almost Listen, summertime, I'll, I guess. Yeah. It's it's not summertime yet. Well, it's in the official summer start, June 21st, according to the calendar, I believe. I don't know. I've been feeling hot this whole time. Really? It's just... And now, still a little bipolar out here. Like, still waking up at 50, then it's the 70-something by a- the afternoon with a little bit of wind still. So, yeah, it's not officially, officially hot. I will say today uh, was hoodie weather. Today was oh, definitely hoodie weather. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Yeah. But Fair enough. Hence why I have my creator hoodie on. But still, there's a lot more hot days than hoodie days, though. Oh, well, baby, where I live. Where yeah, you yeah, I would live. say not, not yet. Not I'm sorry. Yet. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. Not yet. Sorry. Once we crack 80, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Shout mm-hmm. out to Carl. I think he said something was like 40 the other day. Oh, goodness. Wow. Not really sure. Not really sure. Only but me. for me... Uh, the puppy is here. 
we have officially have Don Cuddles, uh, Isaiah, uh, please put pictures and videos and all that great stuff of Don Cuddles. Uh, he has arrived. He is good. He is healthy. He is chubby because I keep feeding him all these different snacks. Um, he's running my life. It's great. It's fine. I have a doggy seat. Mm. I can understand. So here's here's the problem. Here's the problem. Remember, I think I said last uh, episode or the episode before that where I was like, no stroller, none, mm-hmm. won't do it. And then my man doesn't like walking. Mm. And I like walking. So, uh, needs to say, uh, the, the thought is there. The... Followers have already been like, get the dog a stroller, but I, I refused to because I said I wasn't going to. So uh, little by little, I'm hoping every day we, we walk a little bit more. We we do yeah. a few more things. It's, it's work in progress. It's work in progress. But we're here. We're here. We, so oh no, the hey, dog we, is here. We, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I see. I, I guess. I see. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was gonna say we're definitely officially in the same season now, but no, I, uh, I seen, I seen, I don't know, you just look mad different ever since the puppy arrived. That's said, this is gonna be special. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you for sure. Oh yeah, the doggy, doggy, so dope, so, so, so dope. I would, I would show, but he, it's pretty late when we're recording this, and so I'm trying to make sure he has a little schedule, but I could already hear him a little whining, but it is what it is. Let's get into this episode. So we are going to be talking about the what's poppin' section. And this segment is sponsored by Deeper Than The Brand, the number one content branding community that shows you how to confidently and authentically build a brand, grow a social media presence, and build digital wealth. Go to deeperthanthebrand.com for more information, please, and thank you. So... YouTube is officially getting rid of one of their features. Now, this feature has been alive since 2018 and took uh, took the same approach as Snapchat, took the same approach as Instagram Reels, but has the same funeral as Twitter and LinkedIn. And what I'm talking about is YouTube Stories. Yes. YouTube Stories is officially going away. According to uh, people in YouTube, today there are many ways to create on YouTube. From community posts to shorts to long form and live. To prioritize these key features, stories are going away. Starting on June 26, 2023... The option to create new YouTube stories will no longer be available. Stories that are already live on that date will expire seven days after they are originally shared. So what does this mean? It doesn't really mean anything. (laughs) Stories wasn't necessarily one of those super key features on YouTube. Stories is big on uh Instagram uh Facebook you could say um what's on TikTok 
kind of kind of lit over there. But as other platforms have tried to duplicate that, it hasn't truly been successful. Like I said, one of the latest ones that had also died with stories was LinkedIn. Everybody tried it. Every platform has pretty much copied one another with their features. Now, with the evolution of, of social media and as platforms are really trying to identify what makes them different and what will, you know, take care of the creators more, if they're going to prioritize uh, shorts, long-form videos, and, and community posts, let's not just put random resources to something that they don't necessarily care about and they won't be able to monetize. What I found very surprising was the community post that they're going to actually put more emphasis on it. And from me knowing that now, we're going to put more emphasis on it. And for those people who don't know what community post is, think about it like uh, status updates, like on Facebook and on Twitter, but just for YouTube. There is a community tab on all uh, channels, and it's actually going to be available for all channels starting this week. So you can now give different status updates, polls, uh, pictures, links to your videos, everything that you would want to do to communicate with your community. You could do it on the community tab. So as of June 23, there is no longer YouTube stories. Uh, rest in peace. We didn't use them that much anyways. So uh, thank you for your uh, services, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but most what we got on the business side. Man, this is, uh, you know, everyone who is a follower of DJ Khaled, you uh, have been watching him go absolutely crazy with the game of golf. Let's go golfing, right? Uh, we could go golf or let's go golfing. I think he is one of the funniest people on Instagram, but truly a genius marketer. So first, the headline Tiger Woods and his business partner of Tomorrow Sports add Justin Bieber and DJ Khaled as investors to the TGL Golf League that's starting next year, right? Now, what does this mean? We saw that DJ Khaled got the front cover of a magazine called Golf Digest where he dove a little bit deeper into, you know, his love for the game. But first off, you saw... DJ Khaled just out of nowhere explode with his interest in the game of golf, taking golfing lessons. He did this huge golf uh, tournament, or not a tournament, I should say a match between him and Steve Stout for a ton of money. They went all out and it went crazy, right? And uh, from the matching watches to the, the Jays to everything, and he made... A ton, he brought a ton of interest to the game of golf. P. Diddy went golfing with him recently. Now, at some point, especially I was checking the comments, people were saying, okay, who's paying this man for him to be so invested in golf so much? Like, what's happening? And then out of nowhere, this shows up, all right? Now, just briefly, the TGL is a brand or really a league that, Tiger Woods and his business partner are building together where they're going to bring tech advancements to the game of golf. 
so that they can partner with the PGA Tour and bring more visibility to the brand, right? Or visibility to the game in general. But the one lesson that I want us to take from this, because it's cool news, right, and all that, but really the way I, I broke it down is sometimes as a business person, as a brand, you have to build interest before introducing the product, right? DJ Khaled could have very easily stepped out and said, oh, uh, I'm going to bring together this golf tournament or league with Tiger Woods. He's the greatest golfer of all time. You guys might have known him, might have not, but this is what we're doing. Let's start playing golf and, and getting into it. But instead, every single day for what feels like maybe two or three months, he's out here playing golf. He's introducing you to the game. He's posting his journey, his experience, him practicing, him playing, his friends, starting to influence even some of his other friends to get into the game. And then out of nowhere, he introduces the partnership, which I think will be the first of many. But that was a key lesson. I just sat back and said, man, another brilliant marketing move by DJ Khaled. He does it again. Sometimes you have to raise the interest or increase the interest in, and then bring forth the product. So, yeah, kudos to uh, Brother Khaled over there, man. Phenomenal. Another one. Shout out to Khaled. He, he's always reinventing himself. Somehow, some way. So, shout out to Khaled. Another one. Yes, sir. Um, but let's get into creator of the week. This is a very special very. Uh, creator, okay? So, been a bit active ever since uh, it came home, right? Mm -hmm. uh, everything from doing remixes to unboxings to uh, potty training. And mm. having voiceovers and things like that. Uh, if you're wondering who the creator of the week is, it is none other than Don Cuddles. <laughs> yes, the dog has an Instagram. The dog has a TikTok. And people are loving the content. Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. So we're showing different views from napping all the time to uh, yelling in the back of the car for no reason, to not really listening during uh, training, but showing just the evolution of the dog and how it's growing to have its own personality. And the content's pretty dope, I'm not gonna lie. Not gonna lie, pretty cute. Um, and I yeah, agree. I'm doing it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I it. Agree. That's why. I'll do it. I'll do it. Agree. So, um, but no, I, I think I think it's pretty cool for the simple fact that, you know, one, it's it's happening from scratch, but two, you, you know, branding a animal is definitely different than uh, a human. You actually just have fun. You don't necessarily care about it being perfect because the dog is not perfect. And mm -hmm. you're not caring about all these other things. You're just trying to capture different moments. And it makes it understand the importance of just grabbing moments as human being as well. Like, why does it work for a dog and not work for us? And it's because, one, there's no care and, and no mm -hmm. judgment to where some people may feel 
judgment and care and, oh, I look crazy, this, that, and the third. I mean, with a dog, it's you want to see the, the dumb moments. You want to see the sleepy eyes. You want to see the random stuff. So uh, creator of the week is uh, Don Cuddles. Go follow him everywhere at Don Cuddles. Moose, how Big you feel bots. about Don Cuddles? Big bot. Listen, um, man, I saw I saw the content, uh, and I was like, "Yo, the, Nikki is really going in on making this a consistent, growing thing." So I was like, "I'm down with this movement. I'm 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 a follower. I'm in. I'm in." Yay! Yep, we had some really fun reacting ones this weekend. We're going back to voiceovers. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, people. It's going to be great, yeah. but let's get into uh, the meat and potatoes of things, which is the blueprint, okay? And crazy enough, we've covered the creator economy quite a few times in a very high uh, light of, of things, right? Now, I was scrolling on TikTok and I saw this creator, I think his name is Christopher... Claffin or whatever. I messed up your name. Know my heart. I'm bad with names, right? But what we always cover is different variety of ways to monetize as a creative entrepreneur. Those people who have to create content, whether just because they're content creators or they're uh, business owners that have to be content creators. And so one of the ways is like, okay, get paid on the platforms, these views, these brand deal, uh, deals and sponsorships. Well, he has a different view of how the creator economy, especially when it comes to the content side, isn't what you think it is. Millionaire content creators won't tell you this, but I'm going to. The easiest and most profitable way to monetize your account or your following is to have a business tied to the back end of that account and the reach that it has. The truth about social media and the people who are good at it, who are good at making money from it, is that the real money isn't in brand deals and it's not in views. Many platforms like this one don't pay you for views. Other platforms like YouTube are well known for the amount of money that people get paid for views, but that's still not most high-end creator's primary source of revenue. The big money is in funneling your traffic towards a business that you have running on the back end that could exist without those channels on social media. And your favorite creators, the biggest ones in the world, understand this. And this is something that so many creators with literally millions of followers don't understand, and they struggle as a result. I personally know dozens of creators who have millions of followers or have generated billions of views on apps just like this one, yet they're struggling financially because you don't get paid for views. In order to make it in this business, you have to be good at creating content and you have to be a half-decent entrepreneur at the very least. So I know this reaches uh, Moose's heart. He's like, yeah, see, told you, told you this the whole time. <laughs> what are you talking about? Moose, what is definitely your take on yeah. this? I know it's crazy. I was watching a video on... Uh, Samir and Colin. I have to remember this guy's name. I was just looking it up, actually. Um, it's the... And you and we spoke about him. I forget his name right now, but we spoke about him. It was the... He was a football athlete. He was headed to the NFL. 
but uh. left that dream because his YouTube was making way more. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget his name. I, I got to look it up. But he was talking with them about how much he was making from YouTube. And it's funny because they compared the top YouTubers. They compared them to professional athletes because they were saying the, per, the percentage of YouTubers or people on YouTube that make that kind of money it's the same percentage of people who play sports and end up making it to the to the pros and and mm. get like big league contracts. It was like, yo, it's really almost the one of one percent type of thing. It's the same thing that's applicable here. It's also applicable there. And because he came from both worlds, they made that comparison. But you know, I, I just I think the one thing to really dive into here about this clip, especially, is that as a creator, you do the most difficult thing that. The minute you can make the connection to business, you'll realize that it's very easy to just put a foot in there as well and start developing a product or service so you can monetize directly instead of relying on the platform to do it for you. And really what, what you're doing through your content is earning the trust of the audience. Brands are partnering you specifically for that reason. They see that, yes, you have a skill set. You're incredibly creative. You're putting out great content. All of those are incredible and that's probably where views will help and get you paid but in addition to that when you talk specifically around brand sponsorships they're reaching out to you because they know that you can help move the needle in either selling products or bringing attention to the cause that they want to highlight now the minute you start to see that as a creative oh they're really coming to me yes for my skill set but in addition to that it's because i have the attention and the trust of my audience that's what gives you longevity in the space of being an influencer or a creator. And so once you see that, that main thing right there, that's the key ingredient in developing a business. It's in being able to build a, a large base of customers or even a small base of customers really depends on what price point or what industry you're in. But once you know that that's there and then you have the trust of those people to follow through and actually buy from you, you don't have to rely on other companies. Now, I know there are some things that are a little bit more difficult or it's less attractive when you have to ask for the sale as opposed to say, oh, I got sponsored or this brand reached out or you're just doing what you love. I know it's a little uncomfortable having to ask people for the sale, but uh, uh, at least you know you can have more control over your income and not have to see any crazy drop-offs after you build a lifestyle that is of that caliber. I think that's the, that's the tough part there. See, I like when you geek out. It's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so if for those people who, who that may have went over the head, uh, all he's saying is, nah, nah, boo, boo. I told you. You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, nah, boo, boo. I told you. I told you. Okay. These little coins you get for views is nothing. So, I think it is a matter of just making sure that you have multiple ways to have income as a creator, right? Now, as we look at those that we've gone over on our podcast and then just some of the top, let's say, YouTubers, TikTokers, anybody, Instagrammers, who, whoever is making money, nine out of ten times, they do venture off to some type of 
uh, their own business, right? Content creators eventually turn business owners. Business owners turn into content creators, but content creators eventually turn into business owners. Why? Because it's just smarter to possibly have 100% of the profit than rather than 10 or rather than a quick payout. So, and plus you have more control. I'm, I'm big on that per se, where brand deals can come and go. The platform can act real funky and what you may be relying on can definitely dip crazy. It happened to us on our YouTube channel, right? But when you own the product, when you have the service, when you, when it is your business, the energy that you put towards it is what's going to determine what comes into your bank account. You don't have to sit and wait to see if it works. You go put in the work, you build the storyline, you get people interested, you give the call to action, you showcase it in your content. Now you're integrating it into your own stuff and not necessarily always being like, hey, I got this and this is where you can sell it. Like if you have merch, you're just wearing it. If you have a, a sports drink, a, a alcoholic beverage, you're just drinking it during, during your content. You're now incorporating it into where people see it as a lifestyle and want to be part of it. You started a pizza spot and now you're going to always create content at this pizza spot. Some people are just want to go to the pizza spot. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? So the business owner part to be an entrepreneur. Now, granted, here's, here's the thing. We always go and say, not everybody's supposed to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And we've covered multiple times. And I've even been talking about where as a creator, it's the, the business side is a struggle sometimes. So I have to create content as well as understand ROIs and, and uh, P&Ls and all this. Like, I don't want to know any of this, right? right? I just want to create. I love what I do. I'm creating all this content. Let, let me be. But for it not to be a starving artist or a starving creator, you have to play the game. You have to uh, have some type of ownership with maybe a service. Maybe you're showing people how you became a content creator, right? Maybe you have products. We can go back on what Master P uh, always says. What what it's like? Uh, product doesn't talk back. Like Snoop Dogg said this recently. He's like especially when you're thinking about a team and everything like that product doesn't talk back. It just makes you money. It's just there to make you money. It's not going to give you an attitude. It's not going to do, you're going to showcase it. It's going to sell. You're going to ship it. And no attitude, right? Yeah. 
I think you sh every creator should look into owning something. You look into creating a business. And if that's not your thing, partnering with somebody who can. Because I'm not going to sit here and say that every creator needs to just do this solo dolo. We look at the, the great creators and they all have teams. Mm -hmm. They all have teams. I can't intelligently say that they all run that particular business. They may just be the face. Yeah. That's it. I need your influence, your impact. I'll take care of the rest of building out these different franchises. You're good. Don't worry about that. You are the creator. You're going to make the storyline. You're going to. And that's what's great about content creators, uh, creative people who are going into business is that they have a better understanding of branding because they can instantly do storytelling for the most part. I will say that for the most part. If you know how to tell a story, you know how to brand. And if you know how to brand, then it will sell. That's that's how I look at things. Yeah. If you just have a really good product, really good service, but you don't know how to storytell and allow people to understand that they are the main character of this story, that they're the villain is their pain point, that you are there to guide them through the things and that the product or the service is going to create the transformation that they need. You're just another product and service if you don't know how to how to say all that. You're just another product and service that won't necessarily scale because how are you showing that you're different? Mm -hmm. So even with, um, so from, even from a personal experience, uh, we've been working on this merch situation. So this is why you may be seeing uh, some things with like the creator, I'm a creator, build digital wealth. But now it is more of how do we make it into an experience and not just merch, right? So that it kind of goes alongside by side with my creative side. Mm -hmm. So for my creators out there, don't feel as if you just, oh, I got to get, I got to do the regular smegular business stuff. You still are able to, brand it and shape it in the way that makes you excited, right? So if you have, uh, if you do digital products, if you sell, you know, merchandise, cards, sports drinks, whatever, you still have to make it make sense for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And don't just go to, oh, I got to be, Nikki and Moose said, I got to get a business now. Um, I'll sell uh, phone cases just like how Moose did before. And that's not your thing. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and you started you started at probably the most important component by saying it's okay if it's not common to you. Just get with somebody 
who does, you know, or get somebody who is comfortable having those conversations. But yeah, I think the big, the big takeaway here is you're doing the most difficult part already. Mm-hmm. You're already involved and in carrying the larger part of the weight. Now, the other business side from an outside, we look at it as, okay, it's, it's more technical. It's more, it's almost like dressing down and dressing up. And dressing up requires a little bit more work. It looks sophisticated. It might even be a little intimidating, but you're doing the biggest part of it as a creative, like you're, you're, almost, you're the designer in this case, right? So I think just starting to get comfortable and seeing yourself in that role to some capacity, it's going to open up the doorway. And we've said it on some episodes in the past where we said every why person needs a how person, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the natural fit. So yeah. I, I love that. Or are you going to struggle? Or are you going to struggle? Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think, I think you could still get a start in business as a great storyteller. You probably won't scale mm-hmm. like to, to, to a very, say, large operation, smoothly running, and all of those things. You, you'll, you could still start, though, because I, I, see, it, I see it all the time with great storytelling as you mentioned capturing people's hearts and attentions in a way where people just want to support they don't care for the incredible customer service and all those things they can almost wait on some of that because they just want to support the movement or the person and then eventually when it becomes a full-blown business that's where i think customer expectation comes in and you're forced to make the pivot into all right let me get an operator. Let me get someone who can really run the day to day, who can help me turn this into a full fledged business. But yeah, I think just bare minimum starting with, oh, shoot, if I'm already doing half the work, then why not bet on me? That that's a great start. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think one of the things that maybe uh, I won't say all creators, I'll say some some creators may uh, struggle with when it comes to a business thing is trusting the vision for other to others, mm. right? Like so handing it to somebody else, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. so, okay, got it. I I gotta create a business, or I'm I have this thing that I can create something with. Cool. I need a team. Great. Now with content creators. For the most part, in the beginning, until you extremely scale like Mr. Beast kind of vibes, you could create on your phone. You're editing on your phone. You're, you're editing on your laptop. Like you have more control of the vision and how it comes out, right? As you now grow a business, it's like, hold on. I got to share this vision and then I'm hoping that you know what to do with this. Oh, man, this, you know, so that I'm, I would ask you, like, how? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I've gone through it, ups and downs with it myself. Right. But from you being more on the business side of things, what can help connect uh, creatives going more into that entrepreneurship role when it comes to sharing their vision to a team and making sure that it, it stays on course. 
Yeah, I mean, just be prepared to repeat yourself. And Golly. knowing that repeating yourself <laughs> <laughs> is like, just be prepared. I'm going to be honest. Make sure you can repeat yourself over and over again. Yeah, no, because I'm just saying, and, and I'm just saying that, and the reason why I'm saying it really is because just because you have to repeat yourself doesn't mean it's not working. I think there's the frustration of, but I already told you this. Right. Yeah, but, you know, I love that example of saying, expecting someone to see your vision is like taking off the glasses that you use to read and giving it to, to them and say, all right, here, use these so you can see. It's like, no, but this is not my, my prescription. I, I can't see with your glasses. So you really have to help almost train me to see through your lens and through your perspective so that I can start gathering some insight as to what are we really after here? And I, I, I never really understood the importance of a vision until recently where I realized that I have to step into a role to some capacity where I'm now being the visionary and not just the business person. Like, yes, you're doing business, but on top of it, you're, you have to communicate a vision to people who are involved because if there's no vision for people working on a project, they easily check out. It's, they almost forget us. It, it gets boring to them. No one wants to feel like what they're doing is just plain work. And so I've noticed in that process, the repetition, there's a reason why a mission statement is on the wall at all times. Mm -hmm. You could say, oh, we already said it, so why paint it on the wall or why why leave it hanging as a as a photo or whatever? It's because it needs to be repeated. It needs to be really rel uh, regularly seen for people to start believing and understanding what's the culture like or what is this about. So I know it, it may sound a little frustrating, but I do feel that as a creative, most creatives get frustrated in having to repeat themselves because as you mentioned, especially when you're talking about something like content, you don't have to tell that to anyone. You're the creator. So what you see, you can do, you can bring to life on your own. So now to get to a point where your creation is limited in the sense that you have to put it in somebody else's hand to, to bring to full fruition, I know that's tough, but I think the, the repetition of communicating what it is and why it's important and and how those involved will benefit and and really planting that long-term seed i think it plays a big difference I, and i always give you credit for that i say you've done a phenomenal job in really standing in the toughest of times to say i'm in this for the long haul uh all right this is an l not happy with how it went but it's okay because i'm in it for the long haul and so over time, when you're working with someone who's showing that type of example, they inspire you to want to bare minimum match their efforts. Right. Like I, I, I could say that about me. I didn't I didn't really think about myself ever being in podcasting or content or social media, anything really. I knew I had a heart for what we were doing and that's all I cared about. And my business, uh, my business ex uh, experience or even just know-how, I, I never even connected them together. And it wasn't until seeing your dedication and your consistency to the podcast and sharing the reviews and doing the content and doing this, it's like, dang, it's difficult to be average or not as invested when you're working with someone who's super invested in something. So it, it, I think 
you could and you could also thought, think about it from a sense of you don't you could either share the vision or act on the vision. It's like there's two types of leaderships, right? Like you could share, you could be the talker, you could be the great communicator who just inspires through your words. Or you could be a person who's just about they lead they lead they lead by example. They they just do. And those who get it will eventually follow suit and say, "Uh, okay, yeah, no, nah, I <laughs> I can't just let her be out here like this on her own, right? Like I'm a I'm going to I want to match my effort. I want to at least try and attempt to get accustomed to being on camera or get passionate about podcasting or understanding where's the opportunity here and what we're after, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So that's what I will say. It's, it could be frustrating, but I, I think that's uh, definitely the way to, to get those two people together. We will definitely continue this on the after show. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many follow-up things. I have so many follow-up, but um, in the talks of being a business owner, uh, creative entrepreneur, I think there's one topic that we all have struggled with, which is pricing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how to price ourselves? Is it too, uh, expensive? Is it, are, are we underpricing ourselves? What are we doing? And, uh, both me and Moose were watching, uh, Diary CEO. And they had this guest, Rory uh, Shutterland, Shut, Shut, Shutterland, something like that. Yep. Know my heart, know my heart, right? Uh, and he was talking about uh, how pricing creates trust and us underpricing ourselves can make our audience not trust us. So uh, listen to this. The very big difference between cheap strawberries and pick your own strawberries. Now pick your own strawberries are cheap, but there's a narrative as to why they're cheap, which is I put into some of the effort into the harvesting of the things. And I have to go out into a field and pick the things myself. Cheap strawberries, by contrast, may create some degree of uncertainty because you look at the market and go, well, if these strawberries were really good, why wouldn't they charge full price for them? What's wrong with this? And so quite often, you know, sometimes you have to make things more expensive to make them trustworthy. Uh, at this moment, I would like for you to raise your prices. Okay? Raise your prices. <laughs> raise your prices. So, I think this is such a needed and sometimes difficult topic because when you hear people tell you things like, okay, you know, uh, one, know your worth, price yourself as your worth, you know, um, don't ever try to battle it with prices. Like, you you get nothing out of it when you are trying to go the cheap route to get the you know to get the audience but then you worry as possibly a beginner or middle uh aspiring entrepreneur or entrepreneur of 
Am I overpricing? I know I have to price myself at a decent price, but am I overpricing? Like, because what qualifies me to get this price where, okay, the average will, you know, the, the common advice is, okay, look at the average market, you know, look at your experience and kind of gauge it in that kind of way. Okay, great. Like, I'm still not sure if it's going to work. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Now I do, I do, I do like how he placed it as far as one is kind of like a do it yourself. And then the other one is like, it's already done for you. You don't want to have to do it, uh, do it yourself and do it for you pretty much the same price or to do it for you cheaper. That's what I definitely got out of that. I was like, very, very true. So where some people, I, I could look at it from an educational standpoint where some courses cost $1,000, your one-on-ones cost $100. Mm. How? Yeah. How? If some of the stuff, let, let's... and. I know I've made that mistake of in the very beginning. Oh, you get me on the phone for like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can get me on the phone. That, that That's not the case now. Don't you dare. Okay. But you try. You get me on the phone 20 bucks. For a whole month, it was like $100 or something. There you go. $100. Cool. Wow. Right. Thought I was like, I'm on the Doing phone. It. Yeah, right, right. I'm getting paid to talk. Give me that, right? Then, you know, life happens and experiences happens and it's like, oh, no, this makes no sense at -hmm. all. That it, it actually, one, when you price yourself super low, you attract super low clients. That requires a whole crap load out of you. For the value price. Yeah. Which is wild, which I never understood that. Like, why are you so demanding at $20? Right? Where you you price yourself up, you get less headaches. You may not get so many clients because now the price went up, but you get targeted audience. You get the idea deal audience that's the one that will actually uh use the product use the service will get transformed by it all because they understand for this price i'm getting the exact result from an educational standpoint motivational entertainment standpoint i'm getting the exact thing that i i need shout out as we've we spoken before of the Drake tickets, okay? The Drake tickets. Uh, if Drake was to do it for $100, I don't know how good this concert would be. Out of, really true. And here's the thing, based out of his experience, 
If he's been in the game for so long and he gives the hundred dollar tickets, how good is this concert? That plays a part. Like, I can understand. I have a heart. Let's not say I understand. I have a heart for the very beginning people trying to figure it out. But if you got some skin in the game, and and I'm talking about like years, and you still out here on some, we can do this for a hundred. We can do this for two hundred. Like if you're still on that, oh no, the, your your brand value is down. Brand value is down. Yeah, yeah. No, I I will say, and I know this is not the this or that piece, but for some reason, as you were kind of expanding on it, I got more ideas to to really break this down from a slightly different standpoint because I I don't want people to take this at face value and just instantly increase their prices. Now, mm -hmm. I will say this. Most businesses are underpriced. It's yes. the truth. Most yes. businesses, especially people in service-based uh, businesses, you're probably underpriced. I'm not going to lie. You're probably. <laughs> you're probably underpriced. Yeah, you're probably underpriced. And, you're probably underpriced. <laughs> and, and, and the reason for it is because we, we mentioned this sometime before that when it's creative, it's, there's not the known variables that exist in a business that is a commodity or some, a product like a commodity, like a strawberry, like mm -hmm. coffee, right? There are certain costs that are associated with those types of businesses, and more specifically, those types of products. That's just relative known information. Not The consumer may not know about it, but those who are dealing from, what do they call it, seed to fruit or something like that, or from the farm to the supermarket, the people involved in that chain, a chain of commands, they understand the common prices. So you can't really jack prices too much or undercut prices too much because there's some level of know-how. Go for it. Wait, but I will say, I saw, uh, of course, on social media, for ice TikTok. cream, right? Uh -huh. For ice cream, there is a like $6,000 ice cream. Shut up. I promise you. Is it really? Wow. Yes. It has like these expensive truffles and everything. I, I did see uh, expensive strawberries too, but I can't remember the price. Um, But it gets people curious. It's like the Nipsey, uh, not the Nipsey, the, the cheese, the cheesesteak, the hundred dollar cheesesteak. It gets people curious. Like, so I almost see when you do crazy prices like that, people are going to want to try to see what now you better back it up. Hello. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. You that better piece back it up. of it where. Because yeah. I'm curious. If, if I had just random money chilling around. A random six grand. Yeah. Random. <laughs> like, I, I don't need it really. Like, to, why do I mm -hmm. have it? I would try this ice cream because I'm like, no, that what sounds interesting. In, I mean, it looked like an experience. And this is what I love. It's like, if you are uh, upping your prices, what is the experience that you're giving? Because sure. their presentation sure. and everything was fire. So yes, listen to Moose. Don't up your price 
just cause, <laughs> right? Yeah. He'll say it's different, but I will at least say if you up your price, that thing presentation wise, experience wise, better be white glove vibes, depending on the price. Now you could be like, Nikki, I'm going from 10 to 20. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Sorry. No, but, but but let me let me tell you why I'm actually agreeing with what you're saying, because I'm saying as as the price or your cost become known mm -hmm. it's easier to justify the price right so you, mm -hmm. if you're saying let's go to was it crumble cookies oh yeah right the right well last if, crumb or crumble cookies which one because last well, last what's, crumb what's is the, the the one with the black box okay that's last crumb okay so last crumb excuse me so let's just go off of face value off of that number one mm -hmm. the box itself yes the design on the box the packaging of each cookie. If, if I knew nothing, I'm going to look at that product and instantly say that's minimum a six to $10 cookie, right? Mm -hmm. Just because I'm looking off of, well, the material of the bag. I've bought cookies in New York that are just like, they're in, they're, they're wrapped like saran wrap, whatever that is. This is like, yo, here you go. Here you <laughs> so, go. 50 cents. Thank quick, you. Too low. Yeah, quick $2 in a napkin, like, there you go. Of, of course, now, if you try to sell me that cookie for $100, I'm going to say, hold up a second. There's nothing in this product or service that shows me there's an, uh, uh, so much expense, exp like expenses that went into it that made you want to charge that price. But when I look at Last Chrome, yeah, you look at the packaging, it says it. So really what I'm saying is don't just jump to raise your prices because you heard this segment or you heard this gentleman deliver a phenomenal, you know, delivery on, on, on his thought process behind it. Because look, pricing psychology, it's a very real thing. But what I think we need to do just so that we take it within context is to really think about the value and what variables are known about the thing that we're selling or the business that we're involved in. That affects how you price and, and how people respond and believe it. Because if you go out, out the gate selling a $7,000 product just because you want it to be $7,000 hoping to peak interest, but no one knows about you, well... You know, part, part, you got to create a little threshold for that. I think, you know, the one experience I always think back to, and I see this regularly, people don't give great reviews, but the experience continues to bring people in, the Salt Bay restaurant or the Salt Bay restaurants. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just, and I was reminded of it because a friend of mine went to Turkey mm -hmm. and she shared you know, being in his restaurant and all this stuff. I mean, and I'm, and I'm still looking at it and I'm looking at the guy cutting the steak and mm -hmm. looking at her in the eye. I said, bro, that's dangerous. Like here you go cutting, using a sharp mm -hmm. knife <laughs> and staring at the person right in the eye. But that's a phenomenal experience. Right. Yeah. And then at the end she said, great experience, but, it, food but the food wasn't all that great. Yeah. Yeah. No food trash. And it's a, it's, it's now become almost a franchise restaurant around yes. the world. They have locations all around the world. They still charge premium prices, but because of that, but I think they still get away with it because it is known that steaks are an expensive product. Now, I bet if you were trying to do that with chicken, he would have been out of business. <laughs> it's like everyone they do, knows. They do it with burgers. 
Well, no, I'm saying with chicken because the cost of chicken compared to the cost of red meat and specifically high-end steaks, mm -hmm. people know. Like if you go to a steakhouse, you know you're spending $70 to $100 on, right. a, on, a, on a steak. So I think he still gets away with pricing that way because he is his main thing is, you know, the, the steak and the red meat or whatnot. But if it was a chicken... You know, no one's gonna pay that much for a chicken meal because they unless love, he golds uh, yeah, it no. out. He gold out the um the steaks and he golds out that. the burgers. I can see so, that. Yeah. I can if see you that. gold it out, yeah, you could I can see steak, that. shrimp, chicken, <laughs> ostrich. Doesn't matter. But but you Put see some what I'm salt saying? on like, that joint. Yeah, the 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 price of chicken let's go let's price per pound. The price mm -hmm. of chicken per pound is going to be less than $10 a pound. This is on the super high end. Now I want to know what the most expensive chicken plate is. That's an interesting question. I'm just saying I've never seen a, a $100 We're gonna chicken find plate. It, Somebody's going to, of course, find, bring it up. Moose. We're going to find, <laughs> Look, Isaiah pulled it up right now. He yeah, pulled it yeah. up for the video experience right now. We're going to find it. We're going we're gonna to find the expensive chicken. But... I agree with you on that because uh, Roof Chris is another one, right? Mm -hmm. Roof Chris uh, is known for how they come out with the steak, super sizzle. You don't want to touch it and let it sizzle for a little bit and then finally eat it. And then it's just like, yeah, I like the creme brulee more. Mm. I, I, like, I like the calamari more. I'm not, yeah. I go to Texas Roadhouse for steak. You feel me like, but you're paying for the experience. I did do Salt Bay and I did. I was, it was a great experience. It was bad. Yeah. Not bad, but it, it just, I wouldn't do it again. Right. right you feel right. me? Same. It's like one of yeah, those it's things. It's nice to just say you did it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's just those things. I, what there's a, what was it? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say some people do it for a flex. Some people are just more of like, what is this about? Let me let me experience this. The, those those thousand dollar tomahawk steaks and, and all that whole situation. Um was it in or oh, the Maldives, they have the underwater restaurants. Mm -hmm. Like you you don't pay for the food. You pay for no, the 100%. experience. 100%. Yeah. But you also associate with, yo, if this restaurant is underwater, they must have spent X amount of dollars to build it. And so you un you're almost prepared to pay more because there are known variables within the experience that let you know this cost more. That's, that's, yeah. that's like the main thing I'm saying. And so for you as a brand or a business, display, put on display known variables that are of premium quality so people can't question well why is your thing 10x if i'm if i'm a video let's just say this if i'm a videographer and i'm shooting from my phone and i say my prices are ten thousand dollars an hour mm -hmm. right and you're just like okay cool like let me see your equipment you're like i right, bet let's go it's, it's right here versus i say i'm a videographer and i pull out the red one and i'm like yeah so mm -hmm. here is immediately i don't i'm not even a videographer but I know about the red one like that. Right. that I know that that's like a high end camera. So if I were to see that, I would at least want to listen to. All right. Now, nah, let me entertain this because they, they got the red one. <laughs> yeah. That's the top of the top. I mean, it's perce so, it perception is everything. 
Yeah. Right. And it's it's known. It's known that this is one of the most premium or prestigious cameras in the industry. And so if someone is dealing with that, you expect the price to automatically be higher. But if there are no if there are unknown variables or there are no known variables that display premium tier quality pricing or just top of the line things in general, it's difficult for the for the audience or the, the marketplace to believe your price point as something valid because they see no evidence around that show that kind of quality. So that's the part that I wanted to add in there. Just like within context, don't raise the price for the sake of raising the price, display value, add value so that when you bring that price point to the market, people are like, Okay, I rock with you. And then also, who else just got hungry like talking about tomahawk <laughs> steaks? <laughs> Low key, I'm like, yo, who this thing just made me hungry. hungry. Yeah. No, but but yeah, let me not let's end the conversation. Let me <laughs> <laughs> Because right I was going to go more into food experiences, but yeah. let's, let's, let's just end that particular conversation. Let's get straight into uh, this or that, because that this conversation is going to be really dope because uh, I, I want to see, once again, Moose is just on a roll this this episode. Yeah, Y'all better, better <laughs> clip up all the Moose things that I'm, I'm just going to be... Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. this is great. Yeah, he's he amazing. Yeah, he what he said. I don't know. Yep, but uh, let's get into this or that. And this segment is sponsored by the Flight Assessment. Flightassessment.com. Discover your personal superpower and learn how to use your superpower to become a master communicator, strengthen your relationship, and develop the self awareness you need to fulfill your highest potential. Go to flightassessment.com it will change your life most what what are we talking about on this or that yeah so this is so interesting this uh shout out to Tyreek Hill he just started a new podcast and he had Brandon Marshall on the podcast and so uh during the end of course they started to talk about the breakup with I am athlete and they were going through what really happened but Tyreek Hill has a co-host who is his attorney and his business partner in the podcast or or in some of the different businesses that they work on together. And he shared a perspective that I think a lot of us need to hear and really digest. But he was basically breaking down our 50-50 deals, the most fair deal for us to think about. Like, is that Deep. Is that the ideal situation? So let's take a listen first. Like you said, you got to take the emotion out of anything when you're dealing with business. Right. Whenever you put your emotion in the business, money, you're going to lose out. But it sounds like to me in that situation, and it's open for debate, discussion, however, is that if this is my baby and I'm building this consistently, repeatedly, every day I'm losing money on it, I'm investing, I'm making money on it, but I'm handling all the business operations and it's my creation, even without a contract, to me it's just like, there is no four-way split. Why would I say, give me 50% of this, Tyree? Why? When I know the back story. You know what I mean? So I, I get that because it's not emotional. You know what I mean? It's business. We we on business calls all the time. Right. I get it. It's business. It's not emotional. It's emotional because I love doing it. But when it comes to the business, ain't no way in hell, hey, bro, I need 50 of this. I'd be a damn fool. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought this was so interesting because, you know, when, uh, when we did the episode on uh, each of our stories, one of the things that I said in in mine was, I think it's more important to play a bigger game, mm-hmm. and. An extension of that was to really dive into this idea of what we deemed valuable. Now, I think a lot of us come from these experiences or upbringings where 50-50 is what's fair because it puts our value at equal pieces. But when you start playing a bigger game, And I love how Brandon Marshall broke this down. He said, let's say you come from a really good job and you're making $250,000 a year. You got benefits, you got all the security. And I present you with a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not 50-50, it's way less. But as we reach our benchmarks, you're going to get Mm -hmm. And you're going to, say, get increased benefits over time or increase uh, return from the profit share over time. That is a better deal. And so I really wanted to dive into this topic and break down. Are we as a community after 50-50 deals because of wanting to keep value the same or because we miscalculated value in terms of what's really important or are 50 50 deals really the best way to make things work i gotta be honest i'm having a change of heart in how i'm evaluating all of this and i'm seeing i don't know that 50 50 deals like i I actually agree with what old boy said i don't know that 50 50 deals really make sense for a lot of opportunities or a lot of businesses, especially when it's not an original creation or it's not your original creation. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and mind you, I'm also a business person who in the beginning of the episode, I could easily argue, well, you know, the why and the how person and the creator needs the operator and yada, yada, yada. I could go on that all day, but at the same time, I'm just seeing it. If we start thinking more about the bigger picture, and this this for this for everybody listening and watching, we should start really evaluating opportunities based on the bigger picture, less about oh now I want I want to have so that we can be equal in value. So I know I don't I actually don't question my value, and so as a result of it, I'm going to evaluate the opportunity from a logical standpoint, no emotion, mm-hmm. and pick pick the stance that provides the greatest rev- level of return. Uh, in 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 what what is the best way for it? So that's my take on. That. I definitely I, I'm I'm curious to hear your take. I know there are benefits to 50-50, especially from a legal standpoint. We can talk that uh, talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, in, in just pure evaluation of opportunity, I don't know that 50-50 is always the best thing. I think 50-50 is proper if there's 50-50 work. 50 50 sacrifice right um but nine out of ten times that is not really the case right now thinking on it in a, in a different sense of whoever has the i look at it like whoever has the least amount is actually winning 
The reason why I say that is because in the, in certain cases, right? There are some outliers that you are paid the smallest percent and you're doing most of the work. Yeah. That's another topic, right? But for those that are done properly, the ones that have the um, lower percentage or maybe just a payout or whatever, have it pretty good. Like you still, you know, do some of the work, but the whole responsibility really isn't on you. You still get a cut of the the amazing part about it, right? You're, you're still, your likeness and name is, is still there and that whole nine and you're living good, right? I would go for, yeah, give me 30, no problem. Give, give me 10, give me 20. I'm cool, right? I'm cool. One, because uh, I'm going to support as much as I can, but it still allows me to do other things where the person who who has maybe majority of the uh, the percentage is the like the birth person like that is it's your baby. So you got to put extra things down and make sure everything is is there. So it's like for those people who are doing different business ventures, I'm not going to want 50 50 on everything. That sounds exhausting. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's one or two things that I'm going to be like, Okay, percentage wise, right? But even I'm in a in, in in a situation now, and for those people who are thinking I'm not talking about me and Moose, okay? So let's mm -hmm. take that out. Um, but I'm in a situation now where it is 50-50 and I'm looking at it like how, Sway? I'm looking at you now like how? Like Okay. Of course you think like uh value wise we're in it together boom 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 but I'm like oh I'm stressed out for no reason this is retarded right this is makes no sense. So it it is it's having Big boy, big girl conversation, big people's conversation to realistically look at uh, roles, responsibilities, goals, time needed, that whole nine, like, and be realistic. Like, yes, we want the benefits of having the 50-50. We want the benefits of and the good parts about the 50-50. But your people don't really talk about the realistic side of the 50-50, yeah, right? Yeah, but the work and the sacrifice that is with the 50-50. And if it goes crazy, the potential of a bad relationship, a bad business venture. Like, it, I think it increases the risk of... How do I say this? Of ruining that that business partnership. Because now you're looking at it like, but are you really doing 50-50? Yeah. 
Mm. But like, no, for real. Like, for like nine years, I've been doing this. Like, yeah. are, are you sure? Come on. Like, so that's how I, I look at it. Um, I do believe in, if you are in that entrepreneur way, I do believe there does need to be at least one thing that you do have majority of the percentage of, right? Um, especially if it is your ideas, your investments, your like, I do believe in that. But on the other ones, oh, please, uh, get a percentage that is fair to you, fair, not ideal, fair to you, and allow the... Uh, allow your life to be your life. Yeah. Like I just, I just look at it like that. The more percentage you have, the more work that either you have to do or others look at you to do. Oh yeah. It's an expectation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, 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 and the big thing that I definitely want to highlight here and, 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 you know, B Marshall talks about it in the, in the episode, he literally says, if I could go back and redo it, is I would have those same tough conversations, but with a greater deal of professionalism. I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't get out of pocket. I wouldn't be disrespectful. I wouldn't be loud. And so really what I'm saying here is you saw the clip started with, there is no room for emotion in business. We're not saying that you shouldn't be passionate about what you're doing, but if you are going to have these conversations, just know that they are uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. It's common for two people or for one person to feel a greater level of uncomfortable, uncomfortableness or disease when they're going to the other party and they're saying, hey, I don't think that you should have equal rights here. Mm -hmm. Right? That's a very uncomfortable conversation. You need to know that it's automatically going to strike some level of defensiveness mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. What I'm saying is stay professional, uh, be considerate and justify your stance, right? It's difficult to start at 50, 50 and take a step back from 50, 50 because there's more to fight for there, right? You, you, you almost have equal leverage in that standpoint. And so it's difficult to take that step back, but I just want these conversations to be more regular because I'm telling you, in a lot of business rooms, this is easy dialogue, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is very standard conversation. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a personal attack when you, when you sit down to have these types of discussions and just simply lay out the terms. They actually look at this as if you care about a relationship or you care about a partnership, you should prioritize these conversations mm -hmm. because this, is, this poses the greatest risk to separation. And in B. Marshall's case, we literally saw that. They had a phenomenal thing going with the I Am Athlete podcast, and that ended because of the business negotiations. And so if you care about a, a relationship, you should prioritize these dialogues because that poses the biggest threat to breaking something up. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is where I just want people who listen and watch this podcast to get accustomed to as they're going on about it on their journeys and building and doing incredible things, which we hope you all do, that you're mindful of these things. It's not just about the content and the brand and the business and the sales and all this stuff. That's important. But also when it comes to teams, just know that these dialogues are necessary and 
don't attach your self-worth to a percentage of a business or a partnership that you're involved in. You could have less than half, and that doesn't mean you're less worthy than the person you partnered with, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it takes a level of maturity to arrive at so that you're in those negotiations and you're not just fighting for 50 just because you want to say, yeah, no, I got 50 of that. Okay, and what's the value of that 50? Right. Right. And so that's what I'm saying as we get to a point of, okay, let's evaluate based on value. Mm-hmm. G- give me, give me 0. 0.0001 of a- Apple. I'm good. <laughs> give, me, give me like the small, just give me a peck. I'm, you know, like that's value. There's way more value there than saying I own 50% of mm-hmm. one, two, three company. And what do they do? Nothing, but I own, I own a, a big share of it. You know, so that's uh, that's that's an important dialogue. Thanks. People, uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, go check out Creator Rav every Friday, 6 a.m. Uh, yeah, every Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern. Go check that out. Follow us on all social media platforms. Nikki and Moose, shout out to our YouTubers. Uh, we're at 15K subscribers because of y'all. We appreciate that. I think over 13K on Instagram, we appreciate that. Um, and Moose, final words. Um, let's see. Man, I feel like I gave a lot of my words throughout the episode. Probably but did. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to repeat what I just said, though, for sure. Uh, I'm going to just say, uh, don't don't evaluate your self-worth based on you know having equal equal share of a business you could have less than half and still be just as valuable